Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Five, four, three, two, one. There is another world that awaits, far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. What you believe might not be. Step into the zone of the We're going to get a lot of these temperature spikes, a lot of these records throughout the next year, year and a half, because if we're heading into a strong El Nino, I can almost guarantee you, I'll bet you a steak dinner on it, that next year will be the warmest year ever on this planet. How is that? How is that that we know what the weather is going to be like a year and a half from now? How do we know that next year is going to be the warmest weather on record? It doesn't work like that, does it? Good evening from the cold dark depths or the warm as blazes dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I'm Jeremy Scott. We have been hearing a lot uh, about heat records of late. And uh, you've probably been wondering, well, is, is it actually getting warmer NBC News meteorologist Bill Karn says we are going to get a lot of these temperature spikes and a lot of these records for the next year to year and a half. And in fact says that uh, he can almost guarantee and will bet he steak dinner on it that next year will be the warmest year ever on this planet. Well, how does he know that? Is it because we can accurately predict that far out or maybe because we'll make it happen with geoengineering see it is the only the middle of summer and yet the global warming or climate change propaganda is in full effect it so appears but of course they've done this before uh, conveniently or, or not conveniently, uh, actually right during the pandemic to make us feel like we were really doing doubly good for the environment. 
and for our fellow man by staying indoors during the pandemic because we were keeping each other safe from the COVID-19 virus. And uh, we were also saving the planet because we weren't out uh, farting and uh, running our vehicles and doing the things that, I don't know, humans have done for hundreds of years. They say for four days in a row, the planet has been the hottest that it has ever been on record with regions all over the world enduring dangerous heat. Can you sense a little bit of sarcasm in my voice? Well, last week, as we were away for 4th of July, we heard, uh, well, there's been a record-setting heat uh, event, a whole 61 degrees Fahrenheit globally. And then the next day, 4th of July, Earth warmed to the highest temperature ever recorded by human-made instruments were the headlines. It was nearly 63 degrees, that according to the U.S. National Centers for Environmental Prediction. And then on Wednesday, the record will be tied at that day. And on Thursday, global temperatures climbed to 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, what they're saying is that uh, El Nino and uh, greenhouse emissions are to blame and that these conditions... Well, we'll probably continue for the next six weeks. They talk about how this happened in some regions of the United States where they face now weeks-long heat waves, weeks-long heat waves with dangerous temperatures and intense heat domes occurring across the world, in fact, China and North Africa among them. They want us to believe that heat is the number one weather-related killer in the world, saying that more than 600 people have died from heat-related illnesses every year in the U.S., according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In fact, if, uh, if that number seems a bit out of proportion, maybe this one will as well. Uh, more than 61,000 people dying during Europe's record-breaking summer last year. A recent study, How Conveniently Timed, released just yesterday, saying that more much must be done to protect against deadly heat waves in the coming years. Now, if, if this was actually the situation where evil man is to blame for causing all of this, That would be one thing, but we know that the weather has been manipulated, that it's been geoengineered, and it's not necessarily how it is being reported. That is reality, because there is no alternative point of view. I mean, where is just one, I ask you, just one alternative point of view in any mainstream outlet? Just one. I mean, there's dozens or more opinions in mainstream news right now 
if you do a uh, quick internet search, you'll find lots of stories shaming us for how we go about our lives and saying it's it's our fault that the planet's getting hotter and it's causing all of these catastrophic events and we need to change our ways. But not one actually says that this data is flawed. Not one alternative viewpoint is given any sort of boost in mainstream coverage by pointing to geoengineered weather. They just can't do it. It it pains them to have any other alternative point of view. So we're going to provide that alternative point of view through our platform here tonight. Because all of this talk of Earth setting new heat records ignores what happened before 1979. I mean, let's be honest. The data that they're citing only goes back not even 50 years, and yet they want us to believe the hype that this is the the hottest it has ever been. Now, if we didn't know everything else that we didn't know, maybe we might believe it, but if we know what we know, it sounds a whole lot like propaganda. Propaganda to convince the world that there is climate change, and perhaps... To stop commerce, to stop travel globally, to tell us humans are evil, with the goal eventually to put us back in lockdown because COVID-19 failed to do it. People saw right through that eventually, and they can't get away with it. But if they do something that makes it look like the planet is so freaking hot that you could cook an egg on the sidewalk, maybe they'll get uh, a little bit more attention to that. That seems to be a very divisive or a very political issue. It really depends on your perspective which side of that you're on. There's not really three or four different sides in that argument like there are with many of the other divisive things in today's society. It's that whole divide divide and conquer that we've talked about, where the goal is just to divide people in so many different ways that instead of having a a whole pie or even a half of pie, now we have eight slices, and there's so many people at odds with each other. We welcome back on the program tonight David Dubine, who is creator of the Adapt 2030 and many Ice Age Conversations channels an author of Climate Revolution, The Grand Solar Minimum. Uh, He studies cycles throughout history that affect food production. So we're talking about heat. We're talking about solar activity. We're talking about drought. And, uh, David, welcome back to the program. I appreciate you having me back in this most pivotal moment right now. As you can see how an agenda is being pushed, and I'll totally agree with you, The limitation of the foods you can consume, the limitation of clothes you can wear or buy, where you can move, where you cannot fly, where you cannot holiday, where you cannot even take a car across borders. It has to be the right type of car, electric, combustion motor, 
what's it all lead to? More control of your food. See, this is the thing, you, you hit it on the head. I was talking about solar activity from the beginning in these 400 year cycles that would knock the knees out of global food production. And that would be the catalyst for the collapse of the economy, the restructuring of governments and the way citizens are overseen on the planet or farmed, quote unquote. But now it's a little bit reversed. It seems the collapsed economy is gonna be the excuse for your high or unavailable foods and food prices. And oh my, what will we have to do to get into supermarkets moving forward? Uh, uh, maybe be chipped? <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, uh, we already talked about that last week. So uh, we're well aware of the mark, uh, the mark of the beast. Uh, where you will need said to in order to uh, basically do any sort of commerce. So they take away uh, the options that are out there and really uh, back people up into a corner. Sounds like it. Yeah, and what will the options be when you have not even practiced the skill of saving your seeds, drying your seeds, dehydrating foods, growing foods, gardening, wild foraging. And then you can't feed your family and you have to do something you don't want to do because you didn't learn the skills that are so readily available that all of our grandparents knew. We are going to absolutely, in my opinion, need to know every one of these skills, including pickling. So we have things for our gut biome health and just, you know, the list of grandparent activities we're going to have to relearn again. Yeah, everything that we didn't think we would have to learn because it appeared that uh, well, we did take a lot for granted, but yet uh, for granted that is, but yet uh, you know it appeared in in previous times that we weren't living through uh, the days that we're living through now, which seems to be engineered uh, crises upon engineered crises. Uh, when the when the one previous doesn't uh, work so well, uh, you go to option B. Yeah, but think about how they've used our convenience and the human baseline for survival of finding that niche of comfort, security, available food, etc. They've convinced what would have been the grandparents generation of say, the Great Depression in 1930s through the 1940s, the end of the war, etc. After the Victory Gardens, whoa, they did a huge campaign to swing everybody away from the Victory Gardens. You have to realize 40, 40% of all food grown in America during World War II was from the local home. Now, you, you, once you're coming out of that, you want to get a corporatized world. and you Hold want that thought. Uh, David Dubine with us just getting underway. We'll have more of our program right after this. Stick with us. Into the Paranormal. What's it like where you're at? 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada. That's 503-506-0396 or Skype callers at ITP51. Uh, David was just mentioning to me during the break, uh, 
he's got weathers uh, weather in the 60s tonight. We had about 82 degrees out here in the Pacific Northwest, and we're headed for 90-degree weather later on this week. So this is not extreme weather, David, from at least uh, our two vantage points. And, uh, you know, go to Phoenix or go to Las Vegas where it's always hot, and that's a different story. But, but for you and I, uh, when we hear... Uh, you know, record hot weather, we say, what record hot weather? Yeah, it's very regional. Now, we lost David. Uh, we're going to have to uh, get that connection back. Uh, uh, so hang tight with us. But, yeah, very, very uh, – weather's, weather's always been uh, localized. David, are you back with us? David, uh, we we lost you, but I think we have you back now. Yeah, that was strange. It jumped off there for a second. I could hear you, but as I was saying, you know, the weather is very conveniently placed in news outlets for the local area. If we look at Greenland right now, the entire month of June, there was a gain of a gigaton of ice that would normally go into the melt season at that time. We didn't hear about it. An X-class solar flare passes by the planet and suddenly there's ice loss. And you can find that information at Polar Portal. And that goes through the Danish Meteorological Institute that monitors Greenland ice loss or mass balance is another term. But that's startling that the entire month of June, which is normally the melt season, it gained gigaton plus of ice. So, you know, that's not heard of. But also another thing I noticed, you know, people please, when you watch the news, be very discerning on this small trick that they're using right now. When they start the news broadcast, especially for the weather, what they're going to do is they're going to show you the real field temperatures. And they'll start something like, oh, today in Knoxville, it's 110 degrees with the with the heat index and the real feel. And then eventually a minute or so later, they'll talk about, well, the, it was really only 94 degrees, but with the humidity, it made it feel like 110 degrees. And then what they do is when they sign out of the, the weather report, they say, hey, do you remember tomorrow it's gonna be 110 with the heat index, so make sure you're completely hydrated. That's very warm temperatures and then it ends. But think about the human brain is tricked into that. They're seeing 110, 110 in and out but the actual temperature is kind of discarded or cleverly blended in in the vanilla in the middle somewhere. Your mind remembers certain things, and they're taking advantage of it. Absolutely. Uh, so as far as what you were saying before, uh, you know, we don't grow uh, as much as previous generations did, which means we rely on what's grown for us, and uh, hence why there's been so many shortages of late and why you know people are starving and and uh malnourished well if everybody ha listening tonight hasn't gotten the message after the last three years which we've seen uh it's time to grow your own food if you haven't seen that you know the 1940s 40 percent of american agriculture was homegrown then they moved you away from that into complex delivery systems oh it's too difficult to grow food just go to the supermarket, raging economy, but suddenly that raging economy is grinding to a halt. It's switching to a new form and our supermarkets are having less choice and the grain shortages are inbound. So what do we do from here?
Exactly. David Dubine getting us to think tonight from the Adapt 2030 and Mini Ice Age Conversations channels. We'll have more of our program somewhere between abnormal and paranormal into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. This is Paranormal News. The northern lights will be seen across the country late Thursday night. A solar storm is expected to give sky gazers in 17 states a glimpse of the Aurora Borealis, an awe-inspiring colorful skylight show that happens when magnetic solar winds slam into Earth's magnetic field, causing atoms in the upper atmosphere to glow. The current solar cycle is making the lights visible in places farther south than usual. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Space Weather Prediction Center says your best chance of seeing the northern lights is between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. away from city lights in places with low-light pollution. George Henry, Paranormal News. hottest day on the planet was recorded earlier this week. Records have been broken in western Canada, while cities in China have sweltered. We're going to have many headlines like this for the next three to four weeks. It's been a week of record-breaking heat around the world. We're going to continue to break records um, as climate change continues until that point where emissions and greenhouse gases are no longer accumulating in the atmosphere. Much of the globe faces record-breaking heat. Scientists say Tuesday was the hottest day ever recorded on Earth. The average global temperature hit 62.9 degrees, surpassing the previous record set one day earlier. Into the pair of normal with Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Let's remember... It's that whole record part. That's what we should be focusing in here when we're locking down the climate lies is the word record. Record indicates a date. And the records only go back less than 50 years. David Dubine, my guest, and tell us how that uh, plays such an important part in whether you believe this hype or you don't believe the hype, David. Yeah, let me come into that news article right there with the um, 17 states that are going to see the solar activity. This ties directly into what you're seeing with our changing Earth's climate. The sun directly affects the magnetic field of the planet. The sun is going to end its solar cycle years early in an abrupt drop. This, in turn... Our magnetosphere is weaker, so smaller ejecta from the sun, coronal mass ejections, will have more of an effect. Solar wind will, too. So when they're saying that 17 states, it's very unusual that you're going to see such a thing. I would encourage everybody to go to spaceweatherlive.com 
This by far is hands down the best space weather site you will ever see. If you hear anything space, you'll want to go here. They're, they talk about the sun. They, they have all the movies, auroral reports, solar activity. And if you are on the site, spaceweatherlive.com, you just drop down solar activity and you go to WSA Enlil, which is interesting that they're using a Sumerian king name for a map. Basically, when the sun shoots something off, they track it until it reaches the earth. Now, usually if you're gonna expect some 17 states in the northern part of you know the United States here and all of Canada, obviously, is gonna see something. You would expect like an X flare and all these gigantic amount of protons and you know electrically charged particles to come down and create all these aurora. But I'm looking at something that's green and yellow, not even red in there. So when you're talking about the amount of protons per cubic centimeter, it's minimal. So what's really causing all of this extra you know, auroral activity with the very, very smallest of flares coming off. It can only be electromagnetic changes that we're seeing. And Jeremy, I might add, if I was gonna, if I had a crystal ball and I knew this cycle was inbound and I knew the populace of the planet would panic when they saw this if there was no explanation, and I'm sitting here in a room with other people, I'd scratch my head and go, you know what? We're going to need to give the populace an explanation why all these things are happening electromagnetically that they're going to see with the cloud cells and the jet streams bend. Their food crops will be lost. We're going to have extremes and storms, dust storms, all kind of atmospheric compression events, massive floods, frontal boundary winds, derechos. We're going to, this is going to wipe out a lot of crops. Oh, people are going to be very scared. Okay, let's feed them global warming. That'll explain everything that's going to occur from a natural cycle. And I'll leave it there. Yeah, but but it's okay about the records. Uh, for them to say that this is the hottest on record, is there anything to justify that besides the data from the last you know not even fifty years? Uh, are there records that uh, have been hotter than sixty three degrees Fahrenheit uh, predating that? Well, as a matter of fact, I just did a, uh, a video earlier tonight talking about the heat records in the 1930s. You know, for those of you in America, it's called the Dust Bowl. So you might want to, you know, go back in time a little bit and see how the climate gate emails tie directly into the warmest temperatures of the 1930s. See, when we came out of this mini ice age, it was called the Maunder Minimum. And it occurred 1640 to say about 1700. And this is a cycle that repeats itself about every 400 years. And when you come into it, there's disruptions in food production and extremes as far as you can see on every continent. So tying back into the cycles, if we're looking at just heat records, the climate gate emails were written about, hey, can we cool the past? Because the Maunder Minimum shows that it's a natural thing. We're coming out of a mini ice age and it's rising. And we hit another very light version of this called the Dalton Minimum circa 1810. And then we had the Tambora eruption, which was 1815, which cooled global temperatures and wiped out crop production. The year without a summer directly tied to volcanic interplay. But no, we can't talk about natural cycles at all. You had a year without a summer, but you're saying that anything in the skies can't affect us. Okay, it's only CO2, that's it. But I digress. 
if we look at the four hottest July 1st, so we're talking about July 1st of back to the 1800s of just July 1st. If we look in the United States only, the hottest records that still stand right now today that have not been broken as they say the global temperatures are the hottest ever, the hottest ever, 1931, 1901, 1911, and 1933. And you know what the climate scam is, those records were not broken during this supposed heat wave, those records still stand. You tell me what's going on. And I, it, we've survived nearly 100 years since that. At least. So how do they come back to these records if they had the older records? So, you know, how do they convince people that there's not a cycle, that it was that hot back in 1911, for example? If a, if a record was broken in 1885, 1886, 1911, cold or hot, I don't care, either one. Rainfall, snowfall, doesn't matter. But then you have to look back and say, well, that was 100 plus years ago, so something equal today. So how was it 100 years ago? And what are we being misfed as information? Yeah. Uh, other examples uh, that you might have as far as how we've been, I'll, I mean, you say misfed with information. Uh, that's the nice way of saying it. Uh, they're lying to the public, David. It's not a lying as much as it is in their minds, a protection of systems until the real collapse comes. And, and I'll just leave it there because I, I uh, but let me go into another point first to try to connect that. I try to reverse myself into the next thought. So what I had on my mind as we moved into that idea of, is it really? We have to go to the Weather Observer's Handbook. And this was the newest version, 2012, which is used by all meteorologists. And one thing in there agreed on is that you have to have a standard of five minutes of average temperature before you can record a temperature. Now, there's been many a times from 1875 uh, all the way through 2011 where there was not a five minute standard measure that records were rolled back, if you will. So think about this as a conniving way to do it. Every temperature station, all you do is pick the hottest point where it is for the entire day, and you only register for like a tenth of a second, and you choose the, the hottest one that you can possibly choose for the whole day. But then you know eventually, eventually, they're gonna come back and, oh, you didn't observe that for five minutes. Okay, we'll roll it back, and then they'll reverse or update the temperatures. But imagine if that's your MO, that's a, that's what you're doing. You're picking the hottest ones, knowing in advance that it'll be rolled back, but no problem. The retraction in the media will be years behind that, months behind it, half a decade behind it. But you got the hottest temperatures, pay more global tax. Exactly. The update is is well too late uh, to change people's minds. They've already moved on at that point. Uh, you talked about July temperatures. Uh, going back to June, there's some uh, claims out there that the global temperature in the month of June has been climbing every year since 1980, which would be 43 years of a monthly increase in that temperature. Does the data show that? The data can show whatever you want the data to show. Depending on how you're bending your baseline averages, 
where you want to talk about the temperature stations, which I would like to for a second. Now, a temperature station is what you consider a rainfall gauge and there's a thermometer inside there. Normally in the past when they started this unified system, it was in the middle of a field. So it could get the natural breezes. It could get the unobstructed sunlight all times of the day. That's normally where these thermometers were put along with the rainfall and these sort of gauges, wind, you know, it depends. Not every station has a wind gauge on it, but many do. But recently they've taken them out of the fields or quote unquote, the city has built around the area. Okay. But something that used to be in a field would now be in the middle of a concrete parking lot, a blacktop asphalt parking lot, or it would be at the end of an airport takeoff and taxiing runway. Or it could be simply moved next to a building where there's air conditioner vents blowing hot air out on it in a reflective surface of brick and concrete all around it. But this is what we consider our temperature stations today when they shouldn't be. You know, th this is another way to make data fit whatever you want data to say. And I'll leave it there. The gist of that is that there are fewer of these temperature stations uh, around the world or they have been moved uh, to hotter areas in order to show hotter temperatures, right? Well, they just closed 3,000 of them. Now, they show you these images of something broken down, you know, some kind of rainfall catching's broken, the uh, cedar timbers around the old box built in the 1800s are decrepit and, and rain rotten, that sort of thing. Like, oh, we need to get rid of all the old stations, they're no good anymore. But yeah, once they removed the ones that were still in the countryside, surrounded by those old cedar timbers and, and uh, shingles that were rain-worn from 120 years of rainfall in the middle of a field on a farm somewhere, in the real countryside temperatures, oh, we can't have those anymore. Those are the ones being removed, and 3,000 plus this year of those have been removed. And they're still deciding others that they should remove for the 2024 year also. It's not just exclusive for this year. And so the question then is, why is there this manipulation? Why don't they just, if we're comparing apples to oranges, leave the temperature stations where they've always been so we can get, get comparative results? Um, why is there this manipulation? What is the goal? Human control. You control the food, you control the populace, period. And any parent out there, you know as well as I do, you will do anything Anything to feed your children and don't lie to yourself and say you wouldn't. Anything to feed those children. You control the food, you control the populace. And how better would you control it? Now, just say, just saying, we're going back to ancient records. We understand there's cycles every 400 years coming in of electromagnetic activity changes. The sun steps down in its frequency and it's also output. Which now admits, you know, NASA and NOAA and European Space Agency, they all say solar cycle 26 will be a grand solar minimum cycle all the way out through cycle 27. That's an agreed on. They already saw the cycle shift. And here we are, once in a 400 year. Yeah. Well, David, so would, calm the populace. David, so this would, is the whole thing. There's going to be so much disruption in the food system. 
that that will disrupt everything else from the economy. And then people will call on the government to make changes, but they can't because it's a natural cycle. Yeah, and speaking of those cycles, David would know because he has looked over these cycles and probably actually knows them like the back of his hand. We'll continue with David Dubine. He's author of Climate Revolution, The Grand Solar Minimum, his website, oilseedcrops.org. What's it like where you're at? If you want to call in with a weather update, we'll welcome that. 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada. Into the Paranormal. Into the Parabnormal, I'm Jeremy Scott across the USA. It's good to be with you, and we're talking with David Dubine tonight. Uh, David, uh, we got time here for you to uh, make the next point here, uh, which uh, we were headed towards uh, to talk about uh, these cycles. Uh, so I was going to ask you about the uh, the impacts that heat has on food, and we can save that for later because uh, talk about the disruption in the food cycle, which happens then on these natural cycles. You mentioned that there are shortages, you call them grand shortages, that are inbound. Uh, because these are natural cycles, um, is that less reason for us to freak out? And is that being used as an opportunity by the elite to say, hey, it's this global warming, it's this climate change causing uh, what's happening you know, to the, to the food supplies when really it's a natural process? It is, and you should think about it as the greatest opportunity in human history. I mean, think about that for a second. You have the chance to actually step off of a system that's costing you, you know, how much percentage of your life and your energy and your time and your money every single month. And you can step away from part of that because this cycle is here. Like it's, it's bare for all to see. There's going to be very big disruptions in the grains, in the vegetables, in the edibles. So if you have these techniques, if you've got these styles, techniques, whatever to store it, grow it, save seeds. Etc. You're going to come out of this, uh, you know, just so much more in tune with these changes electromagnetically. The more you hand you you put your hands in the earth, the more you discharge these changes that are coming in. You think about the the lobes of the hemisphere of the brain. Everybody perceiving reality different, strangeness going on. Like we got rubber shoes on, we're not putting our feet in the soil, our hands in the soil, growing our foods, eating our foods are coming from who knows where. Instead of growing it next to your house where you touch it, you talk to those plants, the energies from you into those plants, that's the way we need to be living. Electroculture. I don't want to buy something from half a world away that's been touched by how many people angry in the day or, you know, sending a whatever into the food. Had they're not ripe when they're sent and they're solely supposed to ripen with different gases through the journey. That's crazy. I want to grow something right next to me. I don't know about how you feel, but... You know, another thing, you know, you mentioned a cycle and they keep these news bevy of news articles are saying it's the warmest in 125,000 years. And I look at this, and that's insanity. You know, this is the coolest interglacial in the last 400,000 years. If you go back the last four interglacials, this is the coolest one of them. And I look at this and I say, well, we don't even know anything about the, the humans that lived. 110,000 years ago, 
Where are their society? They had 10,000 years of warmth like we do. Where's their society? Where's their inventions? Where's their technology? Where's their combustions? But they probably didn't even use that. They used Earth's magnetic field to generate power. I mean, we look back at these cycles, 125,000, are you kidding me? We don't even know anything about that time period whatsoever. And 70,000 years in the middle of the glacial period, when, when systems had stabilized so you would know the plant and the harvest dates. There were massive cultures around the planet. But we don't know what the temperatures were. And there were no satellites 70,000 years ago. That's just, you know, absolute, uh, you know, child crayon painting that they're trying to give us is a portrait. It just, it's not, you know, for the gullible it is. But for those discerning, there's a lot of changes, and you can look at it whatever way you want to look at it, in a dire strait or the greatest opportunity in human history. I prefer to look to the latter myself. David, what is behind these cycles then? Uh, what causes uh, these uh, crops in some years to grow less uh, or, or more? Rainfall, I guess, would be the number one. And that's determined by where the cloud cells and jet streams sit on solar activity. You know, we have the solar maximum and the solar minimum 11, every 11.5 years. But then those in turn are more powerful cycles within cycles. So how many of those turn into a centennial minimum, which is a once in a hundred year? Look at a lot of low solar activity a hundred plus years ago. Crops were struggling then as well. So it is about cycles, but nobody wants to talk about cycles, Jeremy. I don't know what it is. Why are they afraid of the past? Is the past the crystal ball for the future? I don't know. It's the the ghost of uh, seasons past. Uh, and you speak of rainfall, and and the rainfall can be manipulated uh, through geoengineering operations. Uh, things we've spent many hours talking about on this program. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, we'll continue into the next hour with David Dubai. Right after this, I'm Jeremy Scott. There's another hour of Into the Paranormal coming up. Hold on to your seats. Into the Paranormal at 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada. Skype callers, reach us at ITP51. I'm Jeremy Scott David Devine. We're talking with him tonight. Oilseedcrops.org is his website. And uh, we're talking about the heat records, about the uh, claims that uh, we have never been hotter, of course, since 1979. David has shown us that, you know, even less than 100 years ago, it was hotter than what they're saying. Now, this is an average temperature, a global average, and it includes other parts of the world that are experiencing winter. 
So then the question is, what does it even really mean, David, 63 degrees Fahrenheit global average? Well, if you delete part of the world, you can come up with that temperature. Again, it's like, how do you want to play with the data to show or push an agenda? The agenda, you know, the base layer is global taxes, stoppage of travel, green lockdowns, quote unquote, climate lockdowns, whatever you like to call them. That's the base layer. Because when they reset the economy or try to, see, that's going to be the excuse for the crop losses. But you have to build all these narratives in it to try to put this Jenga thing together of misinformation and this one here, perfectly disguised. Um, distortion of information to fit what you pay for. So I'll agree if you say 63, but they didn't define, did they take off 60 north to 60 south and they discluded or cut away? And discluded, I don't even know if that's the word, but cut away the North Pole and the South Pole. And those don't count as averages because that South Pole might be, you know, 20 degrees Celsius cooler than average. And we can't count that. You know, I thought we were talking about the global total, not something that would say 60 north and 60 south is excluded to the both poles. That's that's unacceptable if you're talking. And how in their right minds can they say without a temperature station every square mile across the planet at ground temperatures? that they could even know what the temperatures were. You would need a floating ocean buoy temperature. Every square mile of the ocean across the entire planet through all the oceans, all of them, to get the true temperatures of this planet. It's a joke what they're trying to tell us right now. So is uh, what, what is your, your take when you hear uh, reports that they say this heat is because of El Nino in combination with greenhouse gas emissions? I would say if you want to mess with the temperatures and use them and distort them to your advantage, you could discount the last three years of La Nina, which is extremely rare. You have to go back to the 1920s to find something like that. Three La Nina in a row, so rare. Two times in the past has it occurred, 1880s and, and like I say, after the early 1900s, twice before. So now we're coming in like, oh, it's a 100-year record. Okay, great. Well, it was a 100-year record, record with the three La Nina in a row. Now, they might try to count that one in the 1970s where it was sort of a half in the front and half on the end. And so those temperatures stabilized before they rose for a few months in the Pacific. So we can play all day long with the El Nino, La Nina temperatures. But one thing for sure, one thing for sure, ocean Pacific temperatures drive global temperatures. So when they come at you and say it's only CO2, that's ridiculous when they're talking so much about El Nino, which is a natural cycle. And so was La Nina. They warm the oceans, cool the oceans, cool the Pacific, warm the Pacific. Natural cycle intensified by solar activity in certain phases, solar maximum, solar minimum. Now bring it up to a solar minimum of a 400-year intensity and see what kind of thing that'll do to the sea surface temperatures in El Ninos or La Ninas in the flips. Got to have an excuse, Jeremy, every single time.
Yeah. Uh, so if if it's not us humans who are responsible for filling the air with hot air, uh, why else would the be uh, the the world be uh, heating up? Uh, could it be geoengineering? I don't know. Well, I've always said from the beginning that. You know, the moneyed class, the parasite class, the leisure class, some call them elite, whatever. These same families that have had control of the money system for the last six to 7,000 years since Mesopotamia and Sumeria. That money still remains in the same hands after thousands and thousands of years. If you're going to try to reset a system and still maintain control coming out of one of these cycle changes, you would have to have the narrative built in so the people would not awaken to the signals that they're seeing in front of their eyes. And they're trying to convince you otherwise. Oh, it's the warmest year ever. Hey, you know, it's a little bit cool here. No, 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 you can't believe that. You have to believe only what we say with the heat index and sort of things dribbling back into the newscasts. It's all about retention of power. As we come out of this cycle and enter into this phase right now where there's going to be a lot of disruption. Uh, and I say that with, you know, look at it in the positive way of disruption of old systems that have kept us locked down for so long are also being disrupted. And we're moving into new systems. So that that middle part between breakdown and reemergence, like there's so much that can happen in that middle right there. As we come together with solutions and talk about solutions, but we need to discuss the problems that are happening at the same time. Now, obfuscate from the problem, magnetic fields on the sun are changing based on a 400-year cycle. Okay, electromagnetic fields on the earth change. That means our magnetic field, it starts to wander that north and south pole. It's called polar wander. It's happening at extreme rates, about one degree per year. About 60 miles right now is about how far our poles are moving. So the jet streams and cloud cells are going to move. But for most people listening on a regular day, if I were to walk down the street and say that, they would have no idea that that means that the planting and the harvesting dates on the planet are thrown out of their normal. It's out of whack. Sometimes it'll freeze when it should thaw. Sometimes it'll freeze early when it should be coming to maturation. Now, something's lost in the middle. There's too much dew. There's too much water vapor in the atmosphere. So the dew comes down and the plants just can't dry. And there's a huge amount of mold and blight, this sort of things on them. There's a huge amount of agricultural changes when these slight, slight changes happen. And we're at it again. So be the elite, be the parasite class. Now, you want to retain your money and power coming out of this. So what are you going to do? You're going to try to reset it yourself during the reset. See, that's the craziest thing is, all of this was happening naturally anyway with the electromagnetic changes. But the WEF and that class steps in and starts making their own changes inside so you don't see the power of the change of the electromagnetic sphere coming through. The, the way for you to manifest and bend reality and literally bend third dimensional space in front of you is happening right now at a rate it has not been seen for 2,000 years since 79 AD. And I think that's what they're afraid of. So if you manipulate the weather and you try to convince the populace that we are evil, then we have to change our ways. In order for us to change our ways, 
uh, you know, we are creatures of habit, that is less likely that people are going to, uh, you know, not do what they do uh, that they want us not to. And so then the only other alternative, uh, well, besides death, is to lock us down. Yeah, but think about it. Yeah, the distraction. So think about how clever the this thing is done with what you just mentioned there. The whole whatever it is, kind of nature agenda, green agenda, save the environment agenda, uh, whatever it is, revolving around anything that we're seeing of change right now. It's like a a sun ray that's come through a blast of glass that's radiating in a thousand different directions of distraction for everybody to go down into the micro distraction, so they don't. See what's playing out in front of them. See, these records that were stolen across the planet for the last 500 years, and I'm not trying to get on this whole thing, 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 thing. I'm just saying Catholic Church went out for 500 years, took every artifact basically, and then the British Museum took over in the late 1850s. But from, say, 1450 to 1850, that was all British, or excuse me, all Vatican. What's in the libraries down there? They know the cycles for sure. Like there's a huge amount of countries and those elite families, royalties, et cetera, that have controlled money and power and armies to go and universities now and digs and all these funding that you could do with the university to go have them dig for things. They're all looking for these ancient remnants, but they know the cycles. So if you knew where the prior cycle had reset and you knew the previous levels of C, would you not go take all your equipment to look at 400 feet below what we consider sea level now? Because at the last maximum of the interglacial, that's where all the cities were along those boundary shelves there. Now do that from the bottom of the ocean at glacial maximum, say 50, 60,000 years ago, the water difference in that 400 feet. Like if you knew these 400 year cycles, you would know where the previous civilizations were. You'd know where everything was based on the clockwork and the repeating clockwork of all these cycles. Comes back in and they just want to save the money and power and control you on the way out. But how do they distract you first? That's the thing. They're distracting you away from the changes that are occurring. And that's the saddest part. We could come together as humanity and build the greatest things ever in any age of any type of thinking entity on this planet. But we're being fractured and distracted and driven away from that. That's so sad. Do you think the goal is eventually to stop uh, commerce from uh, one to another? Well, that'd be literally impossible because uh, that's kind of where it stemmed from. If you come back to serfdom, which they want to take us back to, by the way. It's not even communism. Don't delude yourself that they want to take you to a socialist, communist, Mao Zedong state. They want to take you back to the 1450s to restart the system again. Now think about how our modern economic system has worked in the last, you know, say 120 years. Oh, since the formation of the Federal Reserve. Everything since that time has been inflation. An issuance of debt to get us to this point. It's run its course. There's no more. So what would you do? Reset a 100-year system or would you try to reset a 600-year system? David, Serfdom is where we're going. They don't guess. want communism is going to be child's play. Uh, tonight, don't hunt on the king's land, Jeremy. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, David Devine, my guest, author of Climate Revolution, The Grand Solar Minimum, and uh, the Adapt 2030, and many Ice Age Conversations channels. Uh, we're talking with him, and uh, we'll continue our conversation after this. 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada to join us. Uh, we'll continue our program with some more thoughts from David and uh, wrap up our conversation with him. In fact, stick around. Uh, why are these cycles uh not more public huh is there some sort of conspiracy behind it all in order to believe the planet is warming into the paranormal into the paranormal i'm jeremy scott somewhere between abnormal and paranormal our conversation continuing with David Dubine, author of Climate Revolution, The Grand Solar Minimum. You can find out more, including links to his channels at oilseedcrops.org. I want to give David uh, final comments here. We've covered a lot of ground, and so uh, please uh, say a few parting words to the audience. And by the way, thanks for coming back on. It's always good to uh, chat with you. Yeah, we just play the mind tennis pretty easy when we have connected consciousness. Now, the last thought, you know, we're, we're signing out of the program, so I'd like everybody to digest on this for just a minute. When we come into October of 2024, which is just next year, and this will be about the 23rd or the 24th of October 2024. See, the gas giants, what you know as Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, are going to arrange themselves in a square as perceived from Earth. And that will be the closest those four can possibly be to each other since the year 79 AD. And they cannot get closer than they are in this square formation. And when you talk about electromagnetism, that's the thing. They're going to start to interloop with each other at the widest field where they can start connecting with each other. And they're going to create a slight, like I say, slight second magnetic field in our outer solar system all the way to Mars. So we have one planet between that and then we have the Earth. But on the behind us in the backside there, we have the sun, which is stepping down. And all scientists and astrophysicists, they, have you seen the news articles, say that we're exiting this solar cycle years early. It's just going to drop off a cliff. These are the electromagnetic changes that they're talking about. They're finally starting to disclose it, that the sun is going to shut down on its next cycle that we haven't seen for 400 years. But what will this do to the planet, the population? And those are surface things. It's not about that. The physical means nothing. Into the parabnormal, we're talking about mind bending reality and the possibility because of the disrupted magnetic phases that are normally very stable and solid the sun the earth that's all you get except these four gas giants once every 2000 years interlooping that have a second toroid field that might interfere with that magnetism and your brains are magnetic so the way that you can manifest and we all can 
can break the stranglehold of what has been put on top of us. As you see it as these elite families, the central banks, the militaries, the governments of control. We literally have a chance to break away from this in just a year and a half with different magnetic fields happening across the planet, but they're gonna keep you distracted and in fear. So whoever survives and is alive at that time, when we roll through this, you're gonna be a state of fear instead of a state of enlightenment and happiness and gratitude and thankfulness as we roll through this field. Now, whatever happens with the disruption of the magnetics in our physiology, that's what the elite are terrified of. And I think you'll have a response. I'm sure you do. Oh, absolutely. They they don't want us to be as educated. Uh, an uneducated populace is a whole lot easier to manipulate, right, David? It is if you don't understand the cycles. Want to have you back, uh, and I wish the best to you, David Dubine. Yeah, thank you. One last thought. Uh, Thursday night, 10 p.m., Revolution Radio, 10 p.m. to midnight. We have a live show, two hours also. I'm trying to promote that. All right. Uh, Good luck with that. Uh, Always support new radio programs. Beaming across the USA, hello up in Alaska on KFAR. Good to be with you. We'll be back. This is Paranormal News. Have remnants of an alien technology been found on the floor of the Pacific Ocean? A team led by Harvard University professor of science, Avi Loeb, has recovered fragments from a meteor that landed in the waters off of Papua New Guinea in 2014. What's so special about this find? Since it's moving faster than 95% of all the stars in the vicinity of the sun, uh, it may be aided by propulsion. And moreover, it may be made of some artificial alloy that makes it tougher than even iron meteorites. Professor Loeb tells News Nation it suggests that the dozens of metallic marbles found embedded in volcanic ash could be a spacecraft from another civilization or a technological gadget. The research team combed the ocean floor with magnets after the government narrowed down the radius of where they believed it may have landed. U.S. Space Command confirms with almost near certainty that the material came from another solar system. George Henry, Paranormal News. The climate crisis doesn't care if you're in a red or blue state. It's an existential threat. Obama's talking about all of this with the global warming and that. A lot of it's a hoax. It's a hoax. I mean, it's a money-making industry, okay? There is no climate crisis. They're carrying out a campaign to try to convince the population that uh, global warming is a liberal hoax. It is unequivocal that human activities are responsible for climate change. That's the finding of a new study by the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. News that will be ignored because it doesn't fit the script endorsed by the United Nations that the planet is warming so dangerously that people are already dying and our civilization faces collapse. Blurring the lines between the paranormal and abnormal. 
you're headed into the paranormal. Are we headed for doom? Are we headed for climate doom? You know, I can't help but think when I read uh, headlines that say catastrophic climate doom loops in quotations could start in just 15 years, new study warns. I will say that one's from Live Science. I hope there's some science in that article. Doom loops, climate tipping points, they say, are a a possibility within our lifetime. These doom loops, loops, cycles, hmm, seems like there could possibly be a correlation. Very much like we talked about in the first hour and a half of our program. You know, I'm all for any sides of the uh, the argument here. So, if you're if you're pro climate change, uh, if if you're not a believer, whatever the case happens to be, uh, pull up a chair, add your voice to the conversation. Five zero three five zero six zero three nine six in the United States and Canada. That's five zero three five zero six zero three nine six. I want to get the voice of Tom Harris on now. He's executive director of the International Climate Science Coalition, which is a non-partisan entity that works to promote better understanding of climate science and policy worldwide. He has 30 years of experience as a mechanical engineer and project manager, science and technology communications professional, technical trainer, and S&T advisor to a former opposition senior environment critic in Canada's parliament. For the past 14 years, he has been working with a team of scientists and engineers to promote a sensible approach to a range of energy and environmental topics, climate change in particular. Tom, welcome to the program. Yeah, it's good to be on, Jeremy. Uh, Good to have you here. And when you hear that we are setting uh, heat records, uh, that the globe has never been this hot, of course, not at least since 1979 or before, uh, what is your reaction to that? Well, I have to say, I really don't care, and I don't think any of your listeners should care either, because the whole concept of a global average temperature is completely fictitious. No, and, and you know, the, the whole, the idea that it really matters is, is obviously wrong, because let's say half of the Earth got five degrees warmer and half the Earth got five degrees colder. You know, that would be a catastrophe, because you'd have such massive temperature and pressure gradients, you'd have incredible cyclones and tornadoes and all sorts of storms. It would be really a mess. And yet the average temperature wouldn't change. Okay, so average temperature across the planet is immaterial. I mean, there is no super being that straddles the planet and feels the whole thing. All that matters is what's happening in regions where people and animals and plants live. And if you look at the record of the best part of the record for the whole database for the Earth, it's the United States. The United States has the best records, and they don't show that those days, July 3rd and 4th, were any hotter than usual, and they don't show that there's an increasing number of, you know, more than 100-degree temperature days in the United States. The best record in the world, which is the United States, shows no increase in temperature. And so, you know, you have to also back off and say, well, just a minute, how did they get the temperature 10,000 years ago? 
or 20 or 50,000 years ago, because they're saying it's the hottest it's been in 120,000 years. Well, of course, the only thing they can do is they can look at tree rings and they can look at ice cores and other sorts of proxies. Those are things they use to indicate temperature. And those don't indicate temperature to hundredths of a degree. And yet it's, it's funny, Jeremy, if you look at the actual record, the record was set on Monday by 0.16 degrees Fahrenheit, okay, over 19, or sorry, over 2016. So that's just a little over one-tenth of one degree Fahrenheit was the increase. And then you get to Tuesday, and they say, oh, well, it was now almost about a half a degree before, you know, above the 2016 record, which was before. Now, a half a degree <laughs> you cannot measure with the proxies what the temperature was 10,000, 50,000 years ago to that kind of accuracy. And you also have to, to wonder, well, how do they even get the temperatures that they're giving to a hundredth of a degree? Well, what they do in this case is they average temperatures from, from buoys in the ocean, from surface measure temperatures, from, uh, from satellites, and they use a fancy computer program to actually figure out what the Earth's average temperature is. Now, that's a very complicated process, and what we find, generally speaking, is that the models they use to calculate that are highly flawed. Okay, The models forecast, uh, if you take the current models for climate change and you go back 30 years in the past and you plug in the conditions that existed then, temperature and you know the different environmental conditions, and you run the model to see what should be today's temperature, what you get is a temperature that's three times higher, three, three times more warming should have occurred than actually did occur. So the models have failed massively. So to use them as forecasts of the future doesn't make any sense. And to use them um, for understanding, you know, temperatures as average across the whole world right now doesn't make any sense either. But, but I want to point out one thing, and this is something that's rarely brought up. I mean, many people will bring up these next two points, and that is that we know that it's not abnormally warm now because in around the year 1000 AD, during the medieval warm period, they were growing citrus fruit in northern England, where they can't now because it's too cold. And similarly, you go back in time to uh, the Roman warm period, okay? Uh, that was a time when we had much warmer periods throughout the world as well. So what you find generally is that it's, you know, the indications are that we're not in an unusual temperature regime. The warmest period since the end of the last glacial period was called the Holocene Optimum. And that was almost certainly warmer than today. Same thing with the Roman warm period. Same thing with the medieval warm period. So, you know, the, the Vikings actually left Greenland because they all died because it suddenly got cold. So climate change is real. It's just that we're probably not causing much at all, and current temperatures are not unusual. Uh, but if they were to use this as a means to carry out some sort of agenda, i.e. Uh, the, the globe is getting hotter, uh, we have to go into lockdown, or we have to depopulate the Earth, uh, that, that does become a problem, I think you would agree. Yeah, that's right. And when they talk about doom... There is doom coming, and that is that we'll have insufficient energy and people are going to freeze to death in much of the world. They'll starve to death as well. Because think about what happened in Texas. Okay, Texas 
is the state that has the most wind power. And they were so intent on pleasing the environmentalists that they had as much as 50% of their electricity coming from wind power. And just before that big storm hit in February of 2021, the wind died. It just went to virtually nothing. Okay, so they went from 50% or thereabouts of their electricity to zero. And, of course, in that cold snap that followed, there was all sorts of problems. But the main problem was they lost all their wind and, of course, solar power. And up to 700 people died from hypothermia, from hypoxia, you know, from all sorts of things, which led to them actually actually dying. And so and, and of course, two hundred billion dollars in damages across the state. And that's what's coming if we follow the climate agenda. We are facing potential doom, and that is because we won't have sufficient energy to create our food, to um, you know, to heat our homes for transportation, to run our military. I mean, you know, China's not doing this. You can be sure of that. <laughs> but we are. So it's going to greatly weaken the West. Yeah, 600 in the U.S. every year, uh, 60,000 in Europe during their heat wave last year, uh, 13 supposedly uh, deaths from heat so far in the state of, of Texas this year. Uh, okay, so if – are they trying to uh, – are they – is the goal here, uh, what do you think? Uh, because there's only a couple of ways that we solve this problem if it really is humans uh, heating up, which you've made the point that, that we're not the cause, uh, but that it could be a depopulation agenda because the only way that uh, you, I guess, change human behavior is you put us in lockdown or you decrease the birth rate and you increase the death rate. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because Vogue magazine just had an article in which they said that having a child is the greatest act of environmental terrorism, okay, because, of course, they say that humans are destroying the climate. And you see this with various environmental groups. Believe it or not, there's one group called the Voluntary Human Extinction Movement, and they think that the Earth will be better off if there's no people at all. And so they advocate, and there's thousands of members across the United States, I understand, uh, they're advocating that nobody have children, period. Okay, And it is interesting because if you look at the Sierra Club, there was an interview that Tucker Carlson did a few years ago, and he was asking the head of the Sierra Club, why are you promoting abortion? You know, like, what does that have to do with the environment? And at first, the director of the Sierra Club tried to make it a women's rights issue, but Tucker didn't let him go. Eh? He just stuck at him. He said, yeah, OK, sure, sure, sure. But what does that have to do with the environment? And he admitted, because we want to reduce the world's population. OK, so I think that behind the climate scare, there's a lot of different motivations. I think most people are just simply ignorant. They don't know, for example, that you cannot average temperature. OK, it doesn't mean anything. And maybe in the second half, we can get into that because there's some very good physics behind that. Yeah. OK, so I kind of asked the guest earlier uh, in our, the first part of our program, what does the global average temperature of 63 degrees Fahrenheit even mean? Well, it doesn't mean anything. And in fact, it's interesting because when you look at um, things that we measure, okay, different quantities or qualities or whatever, in the case of uh, temperature and density and viscosity, those are qualities. They're not quantities of anything. They're qualities, kind of like color, okay? And you can't average that. But you couldn't say, what's the average towel at uh, Walmart? What's the color of the average towel? You know, it wouldn't make any sense. It would be some sort of weird brown, I guess. Um, and, and so 
like averaging qualities makes no sense. Averaging things like height or weight or dense or, or things that can, you can add up, that makes sense, okay? In physics, they call that an extensive, uh, extensive property. Those are things that you can average. But intensive properties are qualities of something, and you cannot average those and get an average temperature. To give you an analogy, Jeremy, it's as if you took all the phone numbers in the New York phone book, added them all up, got some massive number and divided by the number of people in the phone book and you got what the temperature sorry <laughs> the phone number of the average person i mean it wouldn't make any sense people would say well that's stupid and so the whole concept of average temperature is completely insane it doesn't exist so they're trying to scare us with insignificant changes in a parameter that doesn't exist to further an agenda which has many motivations. One of them is depopulation. Another, of course, is making money because there's over a billion U.S. dollars a day going into climate finance, and most of it goes to the wind and solar companies, so they're making an absolute fortune. Some people think that the climate issue is the way to world government. And, you know, it's interesting because if you think about it, it makes sense. Uh, not that I support world government, but if you control CO2, you control the world's energy because 80% of it is fossil fuels. And if you control the world's energy, you control the world. So this is one of the reasons I think the World Economic Forum are behind the climate scare because it's about control. Imagine that the World Economic Forum. Where have we heard that? Uh, phrase before on this program. They seem to have their hands in a lot of cookie jars these days. Uh, my guest is Tom Harris, Executive Director of the International Climate Science Coalition. The website is icsc-climate.com. If you uh, can't remember that, just go to parabnormalradio.com and in the episode page, you'll find the links to Tom's organization. We'll wrap up our conversation and say goodnight when we continue somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Into the Paranormal. Paranormal. You know, if I told you that all across the world, the weather is different for each and every one of us, you would look at me with that face Well, no, duh, Jeremy. And if that is the response and we know that it's, uh, you know, where Tom's at on the East Coast, muggy with some lightning, uh, cool where David's at, I think in the Southwest, uh, a bit warm, but not uh, intolerable uh, here in the Pacific Northwest where I reside. And yet all this talk of a global temperature, does that really make any sense to you? Uh, continue our conversation with Tom Harris, Executive Director of the International Climate Science Coalition. You know, it's okay to uh, have an open mind, uh, to challenge one's thoughts, and if that evidence becomes the point of being overwhelming, to override the judgments in which you have cast upon the world and change your state of mind. Uh if I'm not mistaken, that was the case for you, Tom. At one point, uh, you did believe in climate change. Is that correct? 
Well, that's right. I was originally an aerospace engineer, and in encouraging the space program, I, I would always talk about comparative planetology, how by exploring the planets, we better understand the Earth. And I use the example of Venus, because Venus is 95% carbon dioxide, a very thick atmosphere. And I said, oh, wow, this is an example of what could happen on Earth if we weren't careful. And a local professor actually liked an article that I wrote on comparative planetology, but he explained to his students, he said, yeah, but what happened on Venus? could not happen on the earth. It's physically impossible. And he explained why. And I thought, who is this climate change denier, you know? And so I went into his laboratory and he was very nice. And he showed me, you know, the geologic history of the earth. Now, this was something I hadn't seen. And this is something people should look at. And this is why mainstream media don't interview geologists, because we can go back about 600 million years using fossilized seashells. We grind them up and we do oxygen isotope analysis and we can find out approximately what the temperatures are and we can also use other methods for measuring CO2. And what we find is that at the coldest period in the last half billion years, that was about 440 million years ago, carbon dioxide was 10 times today's level, a thousand percent, okay? And yet they get all excited because there's a 50% rise since 1880. But a geologist would tell you well, so what? That's like nothing. We're at one of the lowest levels of CO2 in Earth's history, despite a 50% rise since 1880. We're also at one of the lowest temperatures in Earth's history. Okay, you look at the geologic record. So I always say to people, media, look, bring in a geologist. I can give you a whole list of them who will tell you the climate scare is insane because the whole um, concept that CO2 drives temperature is completely defeated when you look at the the geologic record. And so, Jeremy, that's what we got to look at, not these computer models that don't work. Look at the real history of the Earth when CO2 was much higher. You know, the plants in our environment right now, they evolved at a time when there was three, four times as much CO2 in the atmosphere. They love CO2, okay? And that's, of course, why they pump CO2 into greenhouses, because it makes the plants grow better. They don't need as much water. So the increase in carbon dioxide, no, it's not driving global warming. There might be a slight change, a slight amount of that one degree rise since 1880 might be a CO2 rise, but you'd have to say, well, so what? Since 1880, one degree? Like, like who's even going to feel that in their entire lifetime? And this is the point I always ask the environmentalists when they come to my door. I say, well, how much has it warmed since 1880? And they look at me kind of dumbfounded because these people don't know anything. And they say, oh, it must be 10 degrees. I say, no, 1.1 degrees Celsius. I said, you wouldn't feel that in your entire life. And you, you want to turn off our best energy sources to solve this supposed crisis that you wouldn't even feel. And they just kind of get angry and they walk away. <laughs> Tom, did you find other markers as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look during the Little Ice Age, which was a period from about 1350 to around 1850, that sort of time frame, what we find is that there were, in fact, much more extreme weather then. Okay, the Chinese found there was more typhoons in the Pacific when they analyzed the, the floor of the Pacific. And, you know, uh, complete towns on the, on the coast of England were washed away because there was more extreme weather then. Cooling causes more extreme weather, not warming. Tom, tell us about your organization quickly. 
Yeah, sure. International Climate Science Coalition, founded in 2007. We're taking a nonpartisan approach to try to promote sensible energy solutions and sensible climate adaptation, but we can't stop climate change. Uh, ICSC-climate.com. Tom, thanks for coming on the program. Okay, it was fun. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, Keep those air conditioners cranked up, stay nice and cool, and come back with us tomorrow night.